my name is Adrian. And this is going to be my first time preaching here. So I'm sorry if I don't have perfect delivery. Um, and since it is my, my first time preaching here, <laughs> please go easy on me. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, I, I would like to start with a word of prayer. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the amazing blessing it is to be here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to hear from you. Lord, please minister to all our hearts. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that uh, you desire our hearts, you desire our love, you desire our worship. That's such a, such a humbling thing um, to realize. I, I thank you so much, God, for this morning. Please, uh, I pray that you would speak through me and that your words would be spoken. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, if you, <laughs> if you have a Bible um, and you'd like to follow along in, in your Bible, we'll be in John 5, verses 1 to 17. I'm really excited to share uh, about this story. It's about someone getting healed, so it's very sad. Um, please don't walk out. I'm not a sadistic kid. Um, but... Uh, it, it'll get amazing towards the end. So let's just go there. You can follow on the screen as well, starting with verse, five, uh, verse one of chapter five. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded, surrounded uh, by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So, first of all, maybe the elephant in the room, um, what happened to verse 4? Like, where, where did it go? How did, uh, how did I get a bachelor's degree, but I can't count to, to five properly? It's, uh, it's because I was homeschooled. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. My, mom and dad, I love you. Thank you so much for... for <laughs> All the sacrifices you made for homeschooling me, it, uh, it definitely blessed me a lot over the years. But that was just kind of a low-hanging fruit. I had to do it. Um, but in reality, most texts won't, you won't see it like directly in the text. It'll either be uh, in, like, in square brackets or in the footnotes or omitted altogether. So let's look at what it is. It's the end of verse 3 and all of verse 4, which says, And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each uh, such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. So this is awesome. Like, it's kind of weird that it's omitted or just in the footnotes, and I don't know, maybe Ponce de Leon and the Pirates of the Caribbean, they just didn't read the footnotes when they were looking for the Fountain of Youth. They completely missed it. But why is it omitted? It's like in the footnotes and omitted because the oldest versions of the Gospel of John don't have it. Uh, some old manuscripts of it do have it, but the oldest ones that we have don't have this verse, so that's why in most modern translations, that verse isn't counted as, a, as an actual verse. Um, and so, just, a, just another note about that, uh, some scholars think it could have also been some pagan rituals. We don't really know if it was an angel or any pagan rituals, but what we do know and what we can conclude is, and we'll see this in verse 7, there was some kind of a cultural belief at the time that this was a place of healing, um, a place that had some healing properties. 
So, verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Sorry. Um, so, Bethesda also has some other names that you might have heard, like uh, Bethsaida, Bethzata, or even the Sheep Pool. And what Bethesda mean, means is it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful name for a place. It means house of mercy. And we see that there's five covered colonnades, uh, or depending on the version, could also say roofed colonnades or covered porches. Uh, for me, I had no idea what a colonnade was before this, so I had to look into it. And basically, a colonnade is a row of columns, and a roofed colonnade is a row of columns with a roof over it. And what this looked like is you had two pools that were at slightly different levels, um, and then you had colonnades going around the perimeter. So one, two, three, four, and then one shooting right through the middle, dividing up the two pools. Verse three says, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. So by here, it's referencing under the covered colonnades, um, and it's there because they're lying there because, you know, again, they're, they're waiting for their healing, and then uh, there's... Uh, there's shade that comes from the covered colonnades. And I can't blame them for that. The, the two times that I've been to Bethesda, that is my main memory of it, is just sweating buckets because um, the covered colonnades don't exist anymore. But basically we see how these people were, were sheltered by these colonnades. They protected them, they covered them, and ultimately these colonnades cared for the people. So I'm going to highlight five merciful ways that... Uh, Jesus cares for uh, the man in this story at this place that most at this in this story that mostly takes place in the house of mercy. So verse five says, "One who was there had been an invalid for thirty-eight years." So first of all, an invalid—that's a interesting nickname, and it means likely uh, likely he was paralyzed either partly or fully, we're not sure, or maybe he was just extremely weak. We don't really know what, it, what the case was. Um, but he had been an invalid for 38 years, which is a long time. It's a long time for us, but it was an even longer time back then. For us, that's about half a lifetime. But back then, it's, it's hard to narrow down exactly what the lifespan was at the time, but most people would agree that it was roughly between 35 and 40 years of age. So 38 years is a lifetime. So um, he's lying at this, at this place, at the House of Mercy, and it's the one thing that is giving him hope and any kind of thing. It's the only thing worth living for to him. Verse six says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So if you're taking notes, uh, we see the first three ways that Jesus covers this man with mercies. The first one is, and, and I've, I've broken it down in, in C's if alliteration helps you, uh, and then I'll, I'll also say like the normal words for it too. The first one we see Jesus covers, sorry, Jesus considers him or he sees him. Then we see, number two, Jesus comprehends him. Jesus knew him. And three, we see Jesus conversates with him and speaks to him. So first, Jesus considers or sees him. 
This man, he's, uh, you know, he's considered an invalid, which uh, meant probably most people didn't notice him, or if they did, it probably wasn't in the best, most positive way. Um, and as if it wasn't enough that he had spent a lifetime being, uh, you know, barely able to move, if at all, he, he gets tacked on this very, very sweet and endearing nickname of useless. Um, he's, he's treated like he's worthless. Um, he's called an invalid and uh, essentially just someone who's been glanced over most of his life. And, and I think that that probably resonates with a lot of us here. A lot of us don't always feel seen. We don't always know, at least, that we're seen. Um, but I, I want you to know that, that you very much so are. In the same way that this man was seen, uh, you are seen. Your life doesn't go unnoticed by God. This is the God who intelligently, intentionally, and intimately knit you together. He sees you. Um, and then we can also help each other feel seen. Uh, we can also just remind each other of the love of God and uh, extend that to each other. Number two, he comprehends him. So Jesus knew this man. He doesn't just recognize that the man exists. He knows everything about this man. Uh, he knows, like, <laughs> he knows, you know, every hair on his head, every portion of his heart, every corner of his heart. He knows all of it. Um, and he knows the man's condition that he's been living with for a lifetime. Number three, he conversates with him. Here Jesus speaks to the man, and he gives him the value of his time to have a dialogue with him. This is the all-seeing, all-knowing God stooping down to caringly relate to someone who has gone unseen, unknown, um, and unvalued absolutely uncared for for so long. And Jesus is showing that this invalid has value. Uh, he has tremendous value. Jesus is, um, Jesus is coming in and, and completely abolishing what the society is telling this man what his value is. And today we see kind of a, a similar parallel in our society where we're told we are worthy of getting whatever we want, but we're worth nothing until we accomplish something um, and we make something of ourselves. But Jesus comes up to this invalid man and, um, and he sees someone who's made in the image of God. And that means that this man's priceless value um, is not determined by his circumstances, by his socioeconomic standing, his job, his friends, nationality, um, and, and, and our value to God is not determined by our accomplishments or our failures even. He's, he and we are completely valued by God himself. So we see how Jesus makes this invalid man's life valid and valued. So then we see Jesus asking him a question. First of all, why is Jesus asking him this question um, if he knows everything? Well, he's just opening the dialogue. He's creating the opportunity to, for the man to have a relationship with him. So the question is, do you want to get well? Oh, wait a second. You think that like because I've been laying here for years 
that I, I, I'm trying to desperately get to the pool so I can get healed, that I, no, 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 this is all a misunderstanding. I, I don't want to get healed, sorry. This is, I just like the vibes here. No, it, it seems odd initially, like, why would you ask that? But ultimately, I find it incredibly clever and uh, beautifully intentional as well. We see um, that it could seem strange or even insulting to ask someone like that, hey, do you, do you want to get healed? Um, <laughs> someone who's desperately uh, in a place where, where he, that's his only hope in life. But ultimately, it's a, it's a very loving, very caring question that he's asking him. And it's very, very intentional. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of depth to this simple question. And it's a question that goes for the man's heart. And, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, here we see Jesus once again caring for someone's heart. Um, but it, it connects the man's emotional, physical, and spiritual desire. So let's think about this man again, who's been an invalid for a lifetime, and he's been treated like his life doesn't matter for so, so, so long. Think of how much of his sense of self is tied to being an invalid. That's, uh, that's how he, he must have viewed himself. It's not a question just about like, oh, do you just want to get healed, yes or no? It's a, it's a question about who he is. It's a question about his identity and his attachment. As humans, we can be a little bit peculiar. We form all kinds of different attachments to things, some good things, some bad things, some useless things. Uh, you can ask my parents. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to have a lot. Uh, I had a, a big closet and a, a bunch of little cabinets that I would shove a ton of things in and just close the door quickly. Uh, and they, they would joke, and they still do, about uh, opening a museum for all the random shoelaces and things that I would keep. Um, but for, for whatever reason, I formed attachments to some very useless things. And, um, and, and in, in a similar way, we can form some unhealthy attachments to unhealthy things. And we're, you know, we're very weird in how we attach and attribute value of our lives to some destructive things, but once we internalize it, it's, it starts to feel like it's a part of us. We attach it to our sense of self. Um, we can start to feel attached to even pain and suffering to the point where we're comforted by that pain, we're comforted by the distress, which is very ironic, but it's just one of the ways that we can, we can negatively cope with situations. Um, there's a story of a friend that comes to mind from a few years ago who told me uh, that she had been dealing with chronic pain her whole life, and she had gone for, for healing prayer a number of times, and, and one time she went and she was asked, well, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact, uh, the exact question verbatim, but something along the lines of, do you really want to be healed? Do you really want this to not be a part of your life anymore? And... It, uh, she, she wasn't healed from that, but um, it just helped, it helped everything. It helped her grow spiritually to just be able to, to reframe that and to detach that from who she was as a person. Um, and, and, you know, for, for us, when we, when we attribute a lot of our sense of self to an illness or a physical ailment, all kinds of things, Ultimately, it's just surrendering the allegiance of our lives to a problem, which is, 
sad. Um, <laughs> we're making something bad, something that we treasure. And, you know, just like we can get addicted and dependent on so many things, when we have a, a chronic illness, um, that, can, that can be something that we become dependent on. And, and ultimately, that can for, turn into a form of idolatry if that's what we're looking to, to give us value and give us worth in life, because we attribute some of our value as a human to something that is destroying us um, or, or causing us distress. So here we see Jesus asking the man, you know, how badly do you want it? Do you really want this to change your entire life, everything you've ever known? And, and the, the question applies to us today as well. Do we really, when, when we pray for healing, do we really want healing? Do we really want to really be able to get rid of that from being part of who we are? Um, and, and I, I want to be very clear about something. Uh, I'm not at all trying to say that just because you identify with a certain <laughs> disease or uh, physical ailment, whatever it may be, uh, that that's why you're still afflicted by it. It's not that at all for, for a lot of us who have chronic, uh, chronic diseases and things. It's, uh, it's, it's not just a, a matter of like, oh, just detach it from your, your identity and you'll be healed. Um, but if you, if you want to go back and listen to Chris's sermon from, from last week, he did an amazing job talking about, about healing and asking God, and, and he, he really hammered home that we need to just go ask him, and he wants us to go ask him, because ultimately, he genuinely just values our heart. Um, he values our prayers, our relationship with him, our worship. So if you want to listen to that, you can go on, it's, it's on YouTube, on Facebook, you can go there, just not right now. Um, so we need to seek him first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Uh, let's, let's delight ourselves in the Lord and ultimately leave the results up to him, um, but giving him our hearts, giving him all that we are. Um, and just because something affects you, that doesn't mean it's who you are. I uh, personally suffer from advanced myopia. If I take my glasses off, I can't tell who's sitting just a few rows away. Um, but it's more than just an inconvenience. It also comes with a, a regular fear that my retina, it's a photosensitive layer of cells at the back of my eye that allows me to see, it could tear and uh, detach and ultimately lead to blindness. Um, so. I've, I've, I've dealt with that for, for many, many years. But to say that who I am is my myopia, I, I would find very, very demeaning, ultimately, um, that I could be reduced to something that I suffer from. And it's, uh, it, it's, it can be similar um, for, for especially mental health, we can, we can tend to attribute a lot more of our sense, to, uh, sense of self to our mental health when it starts to affect every single thing we do. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, from, from personal experience, I know it can, be, it can be really hard to start to, to try not to see it as it being part of who you are when every situation, everything you're going through seems to be clouded over with this. Um, but 
I, I, I really want you to hear that that is not who you are. You know, if you are suffering from anything, that is not at all who you are. Um, you are fully known by God, and you've been made in his image. There's no part of you that he isn't aware of. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he knows every single corner of your heart. He knows you better physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, every kind of lead that you want to throw in there. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just want to say that the infirmities that we experience, they're real. They're definitely very, very real. But don't let them attribute any value to you, either positive or negative. Let your value come only from the one who can give you value alone. Um, so, verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So you can hear this kind of like this hopelessness in the man's voice where this is the only thing giving him hope in life and still he can't get to it. If we had a pool right here that all of a sudden uh, was magically able to cure anyone of anything, we'd all be rushing in. Uh, but then we get this man, and, and the picture that came to mind was just, uh, like, if, if you remember in the, the third Star Wars movie where Anakin's got, like, his legs and arm chopped off, and he's, like, like pulling himself out of the lava. Um, like, that, that's what came to mind. Like, everyone's just, like, like rushing in, and he's just, like, I can make it. But, um, he, he's ultimately very, very desperate and hopeless in this. Um, we, we don't have time to go into it, but I want to make a quick note that it's so uh, clearly contrasted with a story of a lame man in Mark 2, uh, where both of them were lame, um, but the man in Mark 2 wasn't lonely like this guy. He didn't have no one to help him in. The story in Mark 2, the, the lame man had his friends to bring him directly to Jesus, dig up the roof to uh, lower, lower their friend down to Jesus. Um, so anyways, that, that's just a, a little side note. Verse eight says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. This is amazing. Here we read of a healed man and I love this. Uh, God truly does absolutely amazing things to show his love and his care. And this, I, I, I can't imagine the feeling that this man must have had being able to walk for the first time in a lifetime, potentially since he was a kid, if not since he was born. Uh, he must have been like so elated, like way beyond cloud nine. Um, and in this, we see the fourth way that God extends mercy to him. Uh, so we saw first how, first was Jesus covers him or Jesus sees him. Second, Jesus comprehends him, or Jesus knows him. Third, Jesus conversates with him, Jesus speaks to him. Fourth, Jesus cures him, or heals him. And we see that this man had put all his hope into being healed by a place, but ultimately he was healed by the person of Jesus. This man, he couldn't get to the healing waters, but he was met by the healer. He couldn't get into the water, but the one who met him is the giver of the water of life. We need hearts that are so inclined to go to God for who he is, um, and not just to, to receive things from him, but to truly know him more. 
um, that, that we would just allow him to transform our lives, that we would truly delight ourselves in him uh, and let him shape our, shape our hearts um, as we, we become amazed in, in humble adoration of our great merciful God. Continuing on, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Hi, gentlemen. Nice to meet you, too. Um, But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So things start to get a little wonky here in the story. Uh, First of all, we see the religious leaders coming at his throat for walking around with his mat after he hasn't been able to walk in 38 years. Uh, They're so consumed with maintaining a certain image that they completely miss what's going on. They completely, completely miss, they completely don't care about what happened to this man. So for us, let's not be like these, these religious leaders where And also, this is a bit of an interesting turning point in the story. Uh, It's exciting, for sure. Simultaneously, very exciting, and also kind of sad. So we we saw how Jesus healed the man. When he healed the man, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man got up, picked up his mat, and walked. The the sad part about it is he, he got up, he picked up his mat, and he didn't walk with Jesus. We see that Jesus slips away into, into the crowd, and, and he could have gone along with him the way that a few other people in uh, some similar stories, like blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, Jesus asked some very similar question, you know, what, what do you want me to do for you? Um, and, and blind Bartimaeus goes, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. And then blind Bartimaeus follows Jesus. Or a little bit ago when we were in John 1, and John the Baptist, uh, two of John the Baptist's disciples started following Jesus. Jesus asked them the same question, what do you want? Uh, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Um, so it's... It's really sad, this part of the story, because he, he gets really excited about, about his, his gift. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing gift. But he gets so excited about the gift that he completely misses who the giver is. He doesn't know who healed him. Like, that's, that's crazy. I, I feel like if someone were to heal me from, like, let, let's take my eyesight. Someone were to heal me from my eyesight all of a sudden, I at least want to be like, hey, what was your name, by the way? Um, but, he, but he gets so caught up in the gift that he misses the giver. Verse 14 says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So Jesus finds him again. Um, and he's happy to see the man. I, you can almost like picture a smile on his face. And he's like, See, you're well. Um, and, and once again, we see this amazing, beautiful picture of Jesus coming to this man. If you're taking notes, uh, here we see our fifth way that Jesus extends mercy to him. First, we saw how Jesus considered him. Second, how Jesus comprehended him. Third, Jesus conversated with him. Fourth, he cured him. And fifth, Jesus commands or instructs him. So Jesus calls the man to a new life, a life of faith. 
And he, he calls him to it by giving him this absolutely impossible command to just stop sinning. So that's a good sermon right there. Just, just stop sinning, okay? Uh, but it's like, it, it's like uh, similar to the, the overarching command that comes up a few times in, in the Old Testament law where God tells the people of Israel, be holy as I am holy. It's humanly impossible, but through faith, uh, in the gracious sacrifice of Jesus dying for our sins uh, to pay the penalty that we deserve um, because of the wrongdoings that we've committed, um, we get to be completely forgiven. And that is amazing, amazing grace. Um, and, and here we see Jesus also says, or something worse may happen to you. So what's the something worse? First of all, not knowing Jesus and that not knowing Jesus um, becomes critical when it, when it turns into a question of eternity. Um, because without accepting uh, the free gift of God's grace through faith alone, the deserved, merited destiny for all of us is to not be with God for all of eternity. It's to be completely separated from him and everything good and completely out of his presence. But through accepting Jesus as Lord by faith, because of the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, dying for our sins to pay the price for us, we're transformed into children of God. And that means our eternal destiny is the complete opposite. Our eternal destiny is an undeserved but granted um, fullness of God's presence and fullness of his glory that we will be in as we will worship him and praise him for all of eternity. So even though we've messed up countless times, we're declared justified, righteous, before the God to whom the planets, the stars, the galaxies bow down and worship to. That is the God that desires a relationship with us. And that is absolutely amazing. So all these things together that we saw, um, they, they reveal how Jesus pursues the man. He doesn't give up on him. He comes to the man again. And, um, and this interestingly takes place in the temple. And from verse one, we saw that the pool of Bethesda was near the sheep gate. And I, I can't say for sure what gate Jesus entered in. But at least there's a parallel there that Jesus is doing this at least near the sheep gate. If not, he went through the sheep gate, which was used to bring in the sacrificial sheep to pay for the sins of the people of Israel. Um, and, and so here it takes another sad turn in the story. We see how the man went away again. Twice, he literally walked away from God twice. Um, this is the God who sees him, knows him, speaks to him, heals him, instructs him, and he walks away from him. Uh, so in a sense, this story ends on a very sad note as he walks away from Jesus and goes right back to the people that didn't care about him at all. Um, and it's just a story of a, a healed man who was intentionally and personally known and pursued by God who had no faith. Um, he took his healing and ran with it. He got so caught up with what had happened to him physically that he forfeited his spiritual health. 
So in the man's perspective, we see how the greatest thing that had ever happened to him was that he had been healed, which by all means is an absolutely amazing thing. But he missed what really was the greatest thing to happen to him on that day, which was being met by and cared for by God himself face to face. Um, On top of being healed, he could have had an amazing personal relationship with God Almighty, but he decided being able to walk was good enough for him. Um, And the thing is, it kind of has a a sad ending, and that's how the, the story, as it's written, ends. It ends on a sad note. But ultimately, we don't know how the man's life ended. I really, really hope we get to see him in heaven one day. Um, and while it is a sad story because of how it ends, it's also a hope-filled story. It's a, it's a story that can really comfort us because we see how this man just didn't recognize Jesus, didn't realize what God was doing in his life. And I, I know that that's like us. I can think of different times in my life where I've completely missed God speaking to me and God showing me things. And and I've only seen it in hindsight. And that makes me wonder, how much more have I missed from him? Um, And so it it can give us an amazing, amazing amount of hope uh, for for those of us who aren't seeing God at work in our lives that even if we miss it, he's still pursuing us. He's still caring for us. Um, And like even if you consistently walk away, Jesus will keep coming after you. He cares about you so much more than you can imagine. Um, So I I just want us all to really be reassured that if we do miss it, he will pursue us. He doesn't give up. Um, He hasn't given up on you. And and there's just this amazing, amazing hope found in the story that we see in Jesus coming to find this man again. So if you're hearing this story today as a Christian, uh, there's a few things that I have for you. Uh, First of all, just don't let anything distance you from your relationship with God. Uh, Pray that you'll be able to see him at work in your life. Pray that you'll be able to uh, see what it is he's doing, what what he's working on your heart and what he's saying. Uh, And also, when things go the way you've wanted them to go for so, so long, like when you finally get what you wanted, Press into God so much more, so much more. And also just a few questions. Um, If nothing else happens in your life, neither positive nor negative, is Christ sufficient for you? And if highs, if lows that will happen, is he enough for you? Or are you ready to bounce once things go the way you want them to or the way you don't want them to? Is, Is knowing Christ worth more to you than the potential successes of your life or the downfalls of your life? Um, And ultimately, the question comes down to, is knowing Christ worth more to you than your very life? Is he the only thing you hope in? Are you limited to hoping for healing or are you hoping for heaven? Um, There's so much more for those of us who have been unhealed here on earth, by the way. There's this amazing hope that we have that heaven is going to be perfect and we will be made fully perfect in the fully perfect presence of a fully perfect God um, for all of eternity as we will 
be able to glorify, worship, praise him forever and ever and ever, do what we were made to do. Um, and, the, and the troubles, the things that we're going through right now, ultimately they're light, they're momentary. 2 Corinthians 2, uh, or 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 reminds us that therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And again, this isn't to say don't pray for healing. By all means, do, do pray for that. Um, but be comforted that one day we will have heaven. Um, we will have um, yeah, just an eternity with, with God in, in perfection. Um, so, but if, if you do need prayer for, for anything, whatever it may be, there's going to be the prayer team down here after the service, and they would be so, so thrilled to pray with you. So ultimately, just, you know, come talk to him. Press into your relationship with him so much more. If you're hearing this today and you don't know God personally, you don't have a relationship with him, um, God has been reaching out to you, and, and wh whether you know it or not, um, God, God knows you, he cares about you, he sees you, um, and, and if, you're, if you're seeing how God's been reaching out to you through life circumstances, through people speaking to you, uh, through all kinds of other ways that, that he may speak, uh, don't ignore that, don't miss it, uh, like press into that so much more. It's a call to a life lived knowing in personal, intimate relationship with God Almighty. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, it's, it's a relationship that also just doesn't end when um, something goes wrong in your life. It, you know, God doesn't turn around if, if you do put your hope in him and then you mess up. He's not going to be like, ah, well, sorry, we gave it a shot, didn't work. Um, this, is a, this is a faithful, perfectly faithful God that we love and serve. And so, I do want to invite you to have that relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship that really will extend for all of eternity. Um, and after death, like we just saw, it just gets better. Um, so I, I so badly hope and pray that you'll accept this invitation. And, and just know that he really does see you. He really does know you. He really does speak to you. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to guide you to something so much better. That's a relationship with him, a personal, life-changing relationship with the God to whom the galaxies worship. Um, and if you would like to, to make this beautiful decision to follow him today, I invite you to uh, pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Dear Lord God Almighty, I realize that I've been running from you I've tried, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to keep you out of my life, but I don't want to miss your care for me as you pursue me. I recognize that I am a flawed sinner. I cannot be saved by the deeds I do, and I realize I have put my hope in finite things that won't last. I desperately need your forgiveness. I believe that you are God. I believe that, Jesus, you are uh, the Son of God and that you lovingly died in my place.
Your death paid the cost of my sins. I know that while I couldn't do anything to save myself, your sacrifice is sufficient. I believe that you are alive. You were raised from the dead, displaying your power over death itself. I am so undeserving of your grace, your mercy, your care, your love, but by faith I ask um, that you would please come into my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior, be the Lord of my life, and wash away my sins. Purify me. I surrender, Lord. My life is yours. Thank you so much for allowing me to have a relationship with you. Thank you for giving me real hope in you that, uh, that I will live with you forever. Pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Well, this is our special time. So for those of you who've uh, known Adrian from since he was like a little boy, isn't he awesome? <laughs> Good job, mom and dad. <laughs> so if you've got a question and we invite you to text in your questions, um, if you're here and you don't want to raise your hand, that's totally fine. We'd love to hear from you. If you're online, please text your questions. We'd love to hear from you as well. So I don't have a question online yet, but Adrian. Yes. This story, the way you unpacked it today, just seemed like it was so personal to you. Was it? Yeah, in a lot of ways, for sure. Um, just in, in ways like, uh, you, you know, and, and I can, and it's a small parallel, but it's still a, a bit of a parallel that I see between my life and the man's life of, of something that's lasted many, many years. Um, you know, something that I personally can't, pardon the pun, see my life without um, it being my, my myopia. Um, so, so there's definitely, I guess, a, a personal link to it for me. So here's a question, Cheryl. Um, why would the inv invalid man healed? Why would, I, okay. Yeah, why would the invalid man be healed when he walked away from Jesus twice? Um, some God-fearing people do not get such a miracle. What do you think? I'm going to let Adrian take this one first, <laughs> if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's a bit of a loaded question. Um, but, yeah, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question to ask for sure. Ultimately, we don't fully know. Um, we see Jesus' uh, amazing, loving pursuit of the man in, uh, in all the ways that, jo that Jesus saw him and knew him, he cared for him, he, and, and, and he did heal him. And, and it is a question, like, you know, why heal this man that walked away from Jesus? Why not, you know, why not heal someone else who does know Jesus instead? Um, and I, I think, in, in a sense, it's, it's a beautiful picture of God's undeserved grace. Um, like, the, the man absolutely didn't deserve to be healed. Um, I definitely don't deserve to be saved, nor do any of you. Sorry if you're offended. Um, but ultimately, none of us deserve God. None of us deserve any of the good things that he has for us. Um, and, and Jesus still extends so many good, caring things and, and some things that we can miss altogether. Um, but, but as to whether, you know, God 
like, you know, why doesn't God heal some, you know, faithful Christians? Um, ultimately, that, that's up to him. I trust that he has our best in mind. Um, I trust that he is good in everything he does, that he doesn't do anything um, that, would be, that would be evil in any way. But if he, if he and, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, with, with my life, with my condition, if I, I've gone for, for healing prayer a number of times. Um, and there's times where I've even felt guilty. I felt like I, it's on me. I, I don't have enough faith kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, God not healing me helped to grow my faith. Um, and, and that helped me to pursue God all the more, press into him so much more. And so, in a sense, I can look back and see how God not healing me was actually a good thing for my soul. Um, I, I know it's not a perfect answer, but it's a big discussion. <laughs> well, it's hard being up here and getting the questions and being like, okay, 30 seconds and go. Um, I, I think that's a great answer. What I would add is a, just a story that I heard of a lady once who was a God-fearing woman um, and had cancer several times um, in her life. And she would go in for treatment and get healed and then cancer would come back and she would go in for treatment again and get healed and, and then cancer would come back and this happened four or five times in her life. And, and what was happening while she was getting treatment was that she was sharing the gospel with all of the people that were in the treatment room with her. And so, so many people because of her sickness came to know Jesus in their last days maybe. We don't know all the situations of all of them, but God has a plan for what's happening in our lives and he desires for people to know us uh, to know him, and he desires for us to be a part of bringing people into that knowledge. So this is a question that I've wondered as well. Um, why did the, heal man, the healed man go and tell the leaders after Jesus healed him again? Like, was he sucking up to them? Like, what, what, like did he not, like, love Jesus a little bit? <laughs> it's, it's interesting for sure. Um, you know, like, why, why go back to the people that, like, you know, came at his throat for, you know, walking home with his mat? Um, you know, it, it's kind of a weird response. You know, he'd like, he'd rather go to the people that, that don't care about him than, than the God that is intimately, like, carefully caring for him right then and there. Uh, and, and, and honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know that for, for me and for all of us, there's instances where in that moment, we should be running to Jesus, but we choose to run to other things that we feel like they've given us a certain sense of value, some things that for whatever reason, we feel like we, we can trust more than, than God in that moment. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to share. I mean, have you ever read the, a story in the Bible and not wondered what some of those people were thinking? <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, we're in a very, very different culture. Um, I think that, I think that if you read on in, in John 5, you start to see that um, the hostility from the Jews towards Jesus was building. And so it could be that he was like, oh, I, I'm going to try to get on the good side of the people who are like, I'm going to try to kill this guy soon, you know, because it literally says in, I think, verse 16 that like they start to plan to kill him. Because of, because of all the things that he's been doing and saying. So um, I think that's probably could be one thing, but yeah, who knows what they're thinking. So on that wonderful note, <laughs> doesn't it happen to you that sometimes you're wondering yourself, what am I thinking? 
So, you know, we'll give these people the benefit of the doubt. I think we, somebody just sent me a uh, an example saying, well, everyone has got free will or free choice. Um, I also feel that when you don't know the person who has healed you, but you know those who are in power around you, that the human tendency is towards self-preservation. So, speculation here, that's another thought. Um, it's 11 o'clock, so that's um, the end of the Q&A time. But um, if you have more questions, you can continue to send them to the Q&A and they might get answered during the week for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are calling us, that you have, um, you come and you seek us out even when we walk away from you. Just like Jesus pursued the healed man into the temple, you continue to invite us into relationship with you. And Father, this morning as our hearts are um, questioning and are um, wrestling with staying open to you, and for those of us who um, already love you, we want to be in a place where uh, we say, yes, Lord. We recognize you and give you um, true place in our hearts and in our lives. For the many times, Father, that you have stepped in and protected us, healed us, that we're not even aware of because you are a good father, we thank you. This is our moment to say thank you, Father, for the lives that you have given us. And as we continue to worship you, know that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.